love Lucy. And I'm Diana, and I, you know, like Lucy. And this is My Favorite Redhead, the podcast where I show Diana every I Love Lucy episode in order, and then we discuss them together until she and all of you love Lucy too. This week's episode is number 10, Lucy is on Saint, and I think I pronounced that correctly. That sounded right to me. Okay, good. I'm on, like, the first chapter of Duolingo in French, so... Yes. Yeah, Apologies. <laughs> but that's that's the last piece of French, I promise. That's it. All right, so the episode starts with Lucy kind of going through her purse, and Ethel shows up, and Lucy says she's going to the doctor for a tonic and a health checkup because she's feeling dauncy, which is apparently a word that her aunt made up for when you're just... Her grandmother made up for when you're just kind of blah. And, um... You know, you know what that, that just kind of like out of sorts, right? It sounds like it would be like a real term. I, I buy it. Yeah. We have one in our family that's puny, which is not <laughs> what puny means, but that's how it gets used. So I like peaky. I like, I like the British peaky mm-hmm. because you just pale is what yeah. it sounds like. Pale and clammy. Anyway, so Dawncy and Ethel's like, what? So anyway, that's what it means. And she's like, I'm just feeling very like, da- like tired and like. No energy, but gaining weight and, like, all this other stuff. Um, you know, you know, the, like, the little green face emoji and on The Sims we say due to unknown causes. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Ethel was picking up what she was putting down and she was just like, oh, do you think? And Lucy's <laughs> like, girl, no, come on. So they have, like, this whole back and forth and she's like, you're going to have a baby. And Lucy's like, okay, whatever. So anyway, so she goes out. <laughs> And when she comes back, she's just glowing. And Ethel is still there. Ethel said, I'm going to wait until you get back. And she came back, and Lucy just didn't see her. And then all of a sudden, she was like, hi, Ethel. Yeah. And then they have this whole thing. And she's like, I'm going to have a baby. And Ethel was like, fucking called it. Yeah. And Ethel was like, immediately attached. Actually, Lucy said, we're going to have a baby. And Ethel was like, immediately, she's she's the baby's other mother. Like, Yeah, that's the who the we is. Yeah, Ricky Lucy was never Ethel. even a consideration. Like, she's like, I've never had a baby. I was like, well, that's Fred's problem, not Lucy's. But Lucy says, don't tell Fred, because I haven't told Ricky and he's going to be upset if Fred finds out, which honestly I think is fair. Like, I, I honestly feel like the father should should know before the father's besties. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm pretty chaotic. So in the in the unfortunate event, Knockwood, that I do end up in the family way, I actually might end up telling everybody before the father just to be an asshole. <laughs> but Well, you're going to be annoyed with him. Oh, boy. I'm going to so. kick him out. <laughs> Here, take this with you. <laughs> It's not even out yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> imagine how annoyed I'll be by then. <laughs> so Lucy tells Ethel this whole fantasy that she's had about when she finally got to tell her husband that they were going to have a baby, and she's been planning this forever and ever, this whole fantasy. So Ricky comes home for lunch, and she's got his beautiful lunch prepared for him in the living room, and he comes home early, and he's in a mood. And he's grumpy because... The show is going badly, basically, and the running the whole club is just a pain in the ass. So she starts to act out her fantasy on him, but things keep happening. Like, he won't stop with the fucking celery. <laughs> and then the phone rings, and then the Mertzes show up, and she's just... It's just chaos. There's just so much. He's basically just like, you have no idea how what a pain in the ass this thing is. 
So when the Mertzes show up, she's like, she slams the door in their face, but he figures it out that there's people there. And so he invites them in because he wants to bitch at Fred about this whole thing. So then Lucy finally gets rid of them. And he's like, why are you in such like a weird place today? And she was like, I'm trying to tell you something. And then the phone rings again. He's like, no, I gotta go. And like, I almost threw a shoe at the TV because I've had days like that where you just want to staple somebody to the floor and be like, listen, I gotta tell you the thing. Also, there was a point in one of my books (laughs) that this sort of happened in. So I was reliving that. It was very funny to me. So after he leaves, the Mertz has come back over and Fred's got all this like Yankees memorabilia, which is really cute. And then the Mertz's bicker over what the baby's name is, of course. He's already giving away, like, his bat and his glove and his, like, Yankees hat and a ball signed by Joe DiMaggio because he's already going to give this to little baby Fred. Mm -hmm. And Ethel's like, why are you going to give all this baseball stuff to little baby Ethel? And then it's it's just too much. Like, (laughs) the baby is the size of a thimble. Yeah. Like, you guys, chill. (laughs) Baby's still a thought at this point. (laughs) That baby is not going to be able to put that mitt on. It's like a catcher's (laughs) mitt, too. It's fucking huge. So Lucy decides she's just going to go to the club to tell him because she's just, she cannot keep it in. So next we see a scene of the Tropicana where Ricky is performing Granada with his band. And it's very cute because he's Ricky and he's very cute. And Lucy shows up and she wants to talk to him. But again, he's also being pestered at the club, which is even more chaotic than at their house. So she's get, she gets upset and she kind of is like, Ricky, I'm trying to tell you something and everything's annoying. So he gets everyone to shut up. And, like, stare at her, basically. (laughs) He's trying to be attentive, Mm -hmm. but she's very on the spot. And, like, how are you going to make that announcement, like, in 1953 at this point? still 52. It's still 52. God, it's been a long year. (laughs) It's still 2022. (laughs) So, so anyway, it's, it's one of those things. This isn't, like, a public announcement sort of thing. It's, a like, a private thing. Unless, you know, circumstances. But she's not in that headspace right now. So she, you know, panics and runs away. And she's very upset. And Ricky's like, women, right? And I almost punched him through the past. (laughs) But anyway. So then that night, Ricky is playing Lady in Red, which is also cute. And Lucy shows up and she's all dressed. And she's got this twinkle. So you know she's got shenanigans planned. And just a little (laughs) disclaimer. I have seen this scene many a time so I know I always feel like I have to point out the things that aren't completely fresh to me mm-hmm. <laughs> so just in the spirit of fair play I have seen this scene on the Instagram <laughs> on the everywhere Instagram <laughs> Facebook just on billboards around town <laughs> so, so she has this little twinkle she gives a little note to the mater D and then he gives it to Ricky and It's a little note that someone wants to announce to their husband that they're going to have a baby and asking if Mr. Ricardo can please sing this song called We're Having a Baby, My Baby and Me. And he's like, this is my favorite thing in the whole world. Of course, I'll do this for you. And he calls the couple down to the front. And of course, nobody shows up. And so he just starts singing and he goes to all the tables with couples and they shake their heads, but they're still loving for it. And then eventually he comes around to Lucy and he's like, oh, hey, hi, Lucy. And he keeps singing and you can see the penny drop because she's sitting by herself. And he's like, oh, shit. And he turns around and she's like, uh-huh. And then he gets it. And yeah. then he's very <laughs> excited and he finishes the number and that's the end of the episode. He's like, oh, my goodness, a baby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
Alrighty guys, this one aired December 8th, 1952 and was filmed on October 3rd, 1952. It was written by Jess Oppenheimer, Madeline Pugh, and Bob Carroll Jr. and directed by William Asher. So this is obviously the first episode about Lucy's pregnancy. And she didn't say pregnant. Yes, nobody said pregnant, thank CBS goodness. will never allow it. Yeah. And when the Arnazes found out that she was pregnant, or she was about Having to have a, a blessed event, <laughs> um, they were really excited in real life, obviously, because they wanted another child, but they also were like, fuck, now we're going to have to end the show, because they just were like, there's no way they're going to let us do this on TV. And then everyone kind of talked about it, them and the writers, and they were like, no, this will be a great story, let's, let's do this on TV. So yeah, they realized that there was no reason like not to keep doing the show because it was crazy popular and they figured that people would enjoy the storyline. And Jess Oppenheimer was like, you know what? I'm going to be able to convince the network that audiences will love this. People will relate to this because a lot of people have experienced this or know people that have experienced this. And it's not going to be offensive. It's not going to be distasteful. It's going to be great. And, you know, he finally was able to convince CBS and Philip Morris. And Philip Morris actually kind of had more stipulations than CBS. Like, How much pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> like, the baby? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they were like, okay, well, Lucy can't be shown smoking while she's pregnant. We support that. Yeah, that's a good idea. And Ricardo's cannot be shown in the same bed anymore. That's going to make people think about fucking. And we can't have that on our good Christian program. And they obviously weren't allowed to use the word pregnant because, ew. But they wanted to make sure that it wasn't, like, in any way distasteful. So they got a rabbi, a what? priest... And a minister nice. to look at every single script to make sure that there wasn't anything in it that was offensive. And every single time the guys were like, no, this is great. This is fun. This is really upbeat, positive. But the religions want more babies. Yes. But also the clergymen were like, but why aren't they letting you say pregnant? That's dumb. Do you want right? us to talk to CBS? But CBS <laughs> wouldn't listen. Sick so. the church on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that sounds like the beginning of a joke. A priest, really a rabbi, does. and a minister walk into the CBS offices. It's really funny, <laughs> and I love it. But yeah, they never found anything offensive in any of the pregnancy scripts. They were super chill about it, and that was cool. So, the word Dauncey was actually something that Bob Carroll Jr.'s mom used to say, so that's why they used it in the episode. They thought it would be funny. And I really, I really like that little term. It seems like it would be something real, so... Yeah, every now and then I'm like, yeah. So to me it sounds like Dancy, but Fonsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and during the scene at the Tropicana, the Arnazes both get really emotional and they're starting to cry because mm. they're like swept up in the emotions of the fact that they were really going to have a baby yeah. and they were excited about it. And in the script, the script called for them to just kind of be like really happy yeah. and lighthearted about it and not necessarily get emotional. And so they were like, a little bit embarrassed and they also were just kind of like man we didn't go with the script we got to reshoot it so they ended up doing a very rare reshoot oh so that they could get a version where they were like you know more collected but then once everyone saw the completed episode they were like no this is way better with the like genuine emotion in it we're gonna go with that version so that's kind of cool yeah 
Even I was smiling by the end of it, and I have a cold, dead heart, so. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy for them. Yeah. I would have been horrified, but I was happy for them. It, it's very sweet, though, because you can tell that it is, like, something that they're yeah. happy about, so. Yeah, and Desi had gotten so flustered <laughs> that he actually, when the band starts yelling at him, sing the baby song. Mm-hmm. That wasn't scripted. He had just forgotten that there was more song. <laughs> so they were like, you have to keep singing. And then they started Line. playing the music. And then because he's him, he heard the music kick in and was like, back to performing. <laughs> and <laughs> like, you, you've got to admire that. And also he kind of like, Mixed up the words a little bit. Yeah, on I caught Rock-a-bye that too. Baby when he was just like he was in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> it was very cute. I feel like a lot of his music is more about emotion than technicality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a very. I mean, he's good at what he does. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I feel like it's more about the vibe. Yeah, he's got good vibes. Yeah. So we see Richard Reeves again. This time playing the lighting tech at the Tropicana. The last time we saw him, he was playing Bill Foster. And we discussed him during our episode on Be a Pal, if you guys want to go back and check that one out. Oof, is that episode two? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Long time wow. ago. <laughs> we were just baby podcasters then. We were so full of hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Mater D was played by William Hamill, and he was born in 1906, and he appeared in The Black Whip. Ooh. And he had small parts and singing in the rain and got some smallpox. <laughs> yeah, one time he had smallpox. Yeah. It was, it was fine. And he got the rain and got smoke. <laughs> you imagine if I just like folded that fact yeah. in. With... So yeah, he had it smallpox. He was in singing in the rain. <laughs> but yeah, no, he was fine. But yeah, so he'll <laughs> appear twice more on I Love Lucy. So that's cool. And I wasn't able to name everyone Ricky interacts with in the Tropicana audience. But God, the, how could you? Yeah. But the older woman who kind of, like, covers her face a little bit, her name is Best Flowers. And she was actually known as the Queen of the Extras. Oh, cool. Because she appeared in the background of over 700 shows and movies. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It is. And she appeared in 17 different Lucille Ball films, which is really cool. And she's in multiple episodes of I Love Lucy and The Lucy Show. And so we've talked a lot about the idea or how the idea of showing a pregnant woman on TV might have been considered controversial. So I was just like looking around and seeing what was up with that. And, you know, it's often said that Lucy Ricardo's pregnancy was the first on screen pregnancy. Like she was the first pregnant woman on tv but actually that's not true the first pregnant woman on television was mary Kay stearns on the show mary Kay and johnny Mm. and she starred opposite her real life husband johnny stearns from 1947 to 1950 oh wow yeah and they had initially tried to hide her pregnancy but when they weren't really able to they wrote it into the storyline of the show and then the couple's real-life baby son, Christopher, began appearing on the show. He was, like, a couple weeks old, and he already had oh, a fucking cute. job. <laughs> and he was playing Capital. their son. Yes! It's a mess. But the reason most people don't really know about this show is because, like, for one thing, so few people own TV sets in 1947 and 48 and whatnot that, like, people just weren't really able to watch it. 
and also most of the episodes no longer exist so people weren't able to see it in the years afterwards the first year or so the show was broadcast live in new york and it wasn't recorded right so those were all just like completely non-existent and then after that the episodes were kinescoped so that they could air on the west coast but many of those recordings no longer exist because they were destroyed in the 70s. At that point, people weren't, like, nostalgic about old TV yet. Mm. And the show had originally aired on the Dumont Network. And then when that network was sold to a different company, they were like, we need a bunch of storage space. Uh-huh. So let's just take all of those recordings from the room back there and just dump them in the fucking river. Ugh. So, yeah, pollution and destroying <laughs> media. Not the river! Yeah, so, you know, obviously people didn't know at the time about any of that stuff. It's you should burn like, that Yikes. cellophane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Lucy's pregnancy is remembered today because more people were watching TV in mm-hmm. 1952. Like, we talked a lot about how a record number of TV sets were sold in 1952 alone during our episode on the courtroom, if you guys want to go back and listen to that. But also, I Love Lucy was a huge hit and by far the most popular show on TV at the time. And also because people had been watching the reruns for 70 years, like even if you weren't allowed to see it then, like we weren't, you can still see it now, but that's not really the case for this other show. And... I just think a lot about how if it wasn't for Desi insisting that I Love Lucy be filmed, it might have become Lost Media too. Yeah. Which, I'm kind of interested in Lost Media, and just to, like, place this in a point in time, Mm -hmm. just a few days ago, the Lost Media American pilot for Sailor Moon was finally discovered. Mm. And a couple of weeks, or maybe like a month or so before that, the episode of Sesame Street with Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch was found. So it's been I a I remember really, you telling me about that. Yeah, in the it's been a really big time recently for Lost Media. I'm so. still waiting for the early episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah. Cuz a lot of uh, Doctor One has been lost. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was kind of a similar thing to some of these where like they recorded over yeah, that footage. I think in that case there was a fire at the BBC if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And they or they just lost. I don't remember. I think one of some those. of them were literally recorded over. But yeah, I know some of them. They have audio because they've been doing like animations to yeah. the audio. But I don't know how many episodes. Yeah, they do have, and I know the ones that they do happen to have is because people at home were like yeah. recording it. Yeah, so. it's really interesting how people can kind of like try and save something for themselves and then end up saving it for posterity. Yeah, so. But yeah, so that's an interesting little side discussion. And honestly, just shout out to Mary Kay Stearns for being a groundbreaker and, you know, kind of leading that way and Lucy for following after her. So, what did you think of the episode? I thought it was cute. I don't really have many criticisms of it. I think it was pretty tight. I think the plot line was solid. I think the timing was good. There were elements that were frustrating to me, but just because those are things that are frustrating in real life, they're not really <laughs> a writing criticism. So, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a pretty solid episode, actually. Yeah, it's a good one. I really enjoy it. It's 
very very sweet and yeah it had a it had a really good emotional payoff yeah yeah you can see that those are very genuine emotions and it's it's lovely to watch I really love Ethel. <laughs> I mean, I always really yeah. love Ethel, but I was just like... <laughs> Ethel was so cute. She was so excited for Lucy and honestly herself because she was just like... I'm going to be an auntie. Yep. I'm finally getting my hands on a baby and I don't have to be the one to keep it forever. Girl. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> I've already told her that when I have my children, she doesn't have to babysit them. So it's it's a concern that I have. Yeah. So that's it's a comfort. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be fine. But are you interested in a dose of the old pop culture? I don't think so this week. I think we can <laughs> skip pass. it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just call it a day. I'm gonna do it anyways. Though. Okay. Well, <laughs> we do it for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so Spalding is a sports equipment manufacturer founded in 1876. They're still around to this day, and they're still really popular, mm -hmm. and people like their stuff. They're actually such a big deal that apparently it was national news in 2021 when the NBA stopped using Spalding basketballs. Weird. Which I didn't know that that had happened until I was looking them up to find out, like, you know, when was the company founded? And there was, like, everyone talking about, like, why doesn't the NBA use Spalding anymore? So I was like, damn. Because it's harder to fix games. Yeah. They apparently have switched to a different ball that is made with like a blend of materials but they got a bunch of retired basketball players to come in and test it out before they could commit to the new ball and I was like that's very intense. Are they recycled materials? I mean probably not. Okay then I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't particularly care either because basketball is not really my game but I thought it was worth mentioning because the whole internet was like, <laughs> I, I did a, an excited motion. You can't yeah. see that because this is an audio medium. But if you knew her, you'd be able to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> in the silence. <laughs> so I just thought that was worth mentioning. And onto the sport that is closer to my game. It is, in fact, the one that I like. Joe DiMaggio <laughs> was a legendary baseball player, born in 1914, I believe he was a center fielder. He started playing semi-pro and in the minor leagues in 1931, and he made it to the majors in 1936. The baseball people call it the show. Ah. He made it to the show in 36. Okay. Yeah. And he played for the Yankees his entire career. Which is rare for someone to be with their same team the entire yeah. time. And he played in the All-Stars games all 13 seasons in, that he was in the majors, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And to this day, he still holds a record-hitting streak. In 1941, he managed at least one hit in 56 consecutive games. Damn. Which is very impressive. And the record is actually considered unbreakable, both by sports experts and statisticians. <laughs> statisticians. It was, uh, it was gonna come out however it was gonna come out. Like, once I got it on my tongue, I couldn't keep it from rolling off however it wanted to. What's funny is that statisticians doesn't actually use a bunch of tongue. 
I don't know what happened. <laughs> there was a fight <laughs> with in my teeth. mouth to get it out, and that's why it came out funky, but everyone knows which word I mean. You said it right. You just said it comically slow. See, I was so nervous. It mm-hmm. just sounded wrong to my ear. Yeah. Felt a little wrong to my mouth, too. But, you know, it was those guys. It was the number guys. Yeah. The number guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's considered an unbreakable record to everybody that counts. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> it's been a long day, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... He was famously married to and low-key, high-key obsessed with Marilyn Monroe, which they had a complicated relationship. Complicated. And that would be, like, too much to get into right now. However... That's a whole episode. If you would like to hear that episode... Yes. Please let me know via... Five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and I will prepare I would low-key love to do that episode, too. Yeah, it would be fun. But yeah, so that was a whole thing, and he was, like, really devastated by her passing, and there are rumors to this day that his last words were, I'll finally get to see Marilyn. Aww. And his brother's like, that's not what he said, but, like, I low-key yeah. feel like it's possible. It could have been. Like, he passed away in 1999, I believe, and he never married again, and he just, like sent flowers to her grave three times a week for like over 20 years and it's just like yeah you probably were looking forward to seeing her but yeah so I am a little bit of a baseball person myself a little bit and as a Red Sox fan I am unable to do a section on the Yankees. I do have to. I actually am very proud of you that you got through that without gagging. (laughs) I'm very proud. I was gonna say that. Thank you. And see, I I like Joe DiMaggio. He's like a legendary player. I have no. You gotta respect. You gotta respect talent. Yeah. So I'm just like, good on you, buddy. That record is fucking impressive. But the Yankees aren't my team. That's that's the kindest way she can say that. That Fred Mertz and I disagree on. That Fred and I, Mertz and I disagree on many things. We yeah, just have was, the same personality. <laughs> <laughs> I was being silly. I think there's probably a lot of things we disagree yeah. on. I think Ethel's great, and he I was seems say, to not. Our opinions on yeah. Ethel's a big one. <laughs> but so yeah, I can't do a section on the Yankees. I'm sorry, but I feel like most of you probably know them, and like baseball. Yes, they're a baseball team, and they're in New York, and. <laughs> At the time that this episode was filmed, there were three teams in New York, which was them and the Brooklyn Dodgers. Oh, shit. I was going to say Dodgers. I was going to be... You were going to be so impressed. You were going to be right. Yeah. Yeah. And which they're obviously cool because of Jackie Robinson. Yes. He was on their team. Yeah. And he's... I have a picture in my house... That my mom actually bought my grandpa one year for Christmas. It's a picture of Jackie Robinson. And, like, it's just, like, there. And I just see him every day. So it's cool. And also the New York Giants, which the Dodgers and the Giants are both in California with us now. So that happens. And now New York has the Mets. I was going to say the Mets. God damn it. See? You're doing good. (laughs) 
See, I, I actually come from a baseball family. I just personally don't give a shit. It's I also played softball for like two years and I like hated it. <laughs> like, well, there are still so many stories in my family that get brought up about how like catastrophically <laughs> bad I am at anything resembling a sport. And all the all the really good content is from the softball years. Yeah, I'm so, also bad at sports, so I don't play them. I just like occasionally will enjoy a baseball game on television. And I played softball when I was a child too, but I joined the team because there was a boy on the team that I had a crush on. So I was just like, yeah, I'll go to softball practice. I joined the team because my parents thought that it would be healthy for me to be athletic. And How'd that work out? Ooh, you know what? They, <laughs> they might be right from a from a like a health standpoint, but boy, did I hate it. <laughs> but you are a great swimmer. True. Doing the flippy flippy. Yeah, that's true. So you're athletic. It's yeah. fine. They also thought I'd make friends and learn discipline. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be good for me, and I was just really grumpy the whole time. I could see that. I almost killed two of my coaches. They hated they hated coaching me as much as I hated being coached. So it was really better for everybody when yeah. I quit. I was I was very nice asset to my team not because I had any talent but because I was just like docile. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like you want me to run? Yeah. You, you want, want me, me to, to what? what? I really like sliding though. Yeah. I was always really bummed when I couldn't slide into base and my coaches would be like you can't slide into every base. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to get there and I'm like this is ass. I hate this. But that's the fun part. I like batting. That was cool. I really, I was yeah. in the outfield and I was like, this is the worst. I want to be a baseman because then you can just stand there. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, Batting's that's fun. my story of yeah. <laughs> softball. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I like to watch my Red Sox games and they have that little just casual rivalry with the Yankees. Little it's, casual. It's fine. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. But Bill Frawley... And Fred Mertz were both big Yankee fans. That's right. He yeah. didn't work on days when the Yankees were playing. Well, not when they were playing, but if they made it to, like, the World Series. Oh. Okay. It might have also been the playoffs and the World Series, but at least the World Series. You know, it's cool that he had that written into his contract, Yeah, though. it was very smart. That was my next point, and you were already... Oh, were, sorry. No, that's, that's oh, cool. good. You were on top of things. Paying attention. You were on top of things yes. today. Catching all the... All the sports All the reference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just... Finally. Finally, I'm catching balls. Lobbing them out there. <laughs> and I'm hitting them out of the park. Yeah. See, it makes sense that you'd be able to catch one that I threw, because I throw like a girl. <laughs> so. But, yeah, that that's fun. catching. Yeah. You know what? I did like kickball, because I could kick the ball really far, because I had big feet and rage. I didn't like kickball, because then you have to run at the ball, whereas when you're batting, you just stand there and it comes to you. True. Ugh. But I, I did like the kicking because of the rage. <laughs> yeah. So, Granada. Yes. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough about the rage. It was written in 1932 by Augustine Lara, and I wrote down his full name just because it's really long, and I yes. know you always get a kick out of a long Spanish name. My name is six names long. I'm not going to say it for tax reasons, but it's long. He's got two lines and 13 names. <laughs> so well, on, He's more Catholic than me. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> on 
He was born Angel Agustin Maria Carlos Fausta Mariano Alfonso del Sagurada Corazón de Jesus Lara y Aguirre del Pino. And he was born in Mexico in 1897. I love it. I respect that. Yeah. I love that you can just be like, let's throw all the names on there. Can you imagine when they read his name out in school? Yeah. He was like, present. That's why he was like, yeah, I'm going just by Augustine now. Yeah. But also, speaking of names, Joe DiMaggio, you know, he's Italian, so yeah. his first name is Giuseppe. His father's name was also Giuseppe. And his mother apparently named him Giuseppe because she was like, Maybe if I name this one after my husband, it'll be my last child. Uh-oh. But it wasn't. <laughs> but there was only one more. He's eight of nine. Yikes. So, I can't blame her for being like, surely this is it. But then there was more to This come. is the secret. The secret is I haven't given my husband a junior. Yeah. <laughs> she tried. <laughs> Poor woman. <laughs> but anyways... That trumpet solo in the song was performed by Tony Tehran, and I actually thought that we had already heard this song on the show. I thought so too. It's not familiar. Yeah, I was looking through my notes, and it seems like we haven't heard it yet in an act, an episode we've actually covered, but it is in the Lost Pilot, which we haven't covered yet because we're going to do something fun with it. Yes. But. So, technically, chronologically, it has been used in an episode, but, like, by the time that people were watching this in 1952, they wouldn't have seen it. But this is honestly probably my favorite Desi Arnaz song, and the reason is because you can hear the flute so well. <laughs> when I was younger, I was like, there they go. Oh. There are the flutes. So it was, it was my jam. I still love it. And then the next song, The Lady in Red was written in 1935 and we have definitely heard this one before on Cuban Pals mm. so if you guys want to hear a little bit more about that you can go back and listen to that episode which honestly it was a really fun episode it is fun I can't stop thinking about pastelitos I know right they're so good I, I also can't stop thinking about how you've never once used the recipe no why I know, it's just funny because you were like, I don't have the recipe, and I, like, flipped through all my photos to find the picture that I sent you, and then you were like, cool, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But it's fine. You know, it's this. nothing's going to come of this, though, because the next time I'm like, I need a recipe for something, she's not going to be like, make it up, bitch. <laughs> she's going to go find it, because she's very nice. I am. She likes to be a help. I, I am a nice young lady. So, rockabye baby. It's a traditional nursery rhyme and lullaby dating back to at least 1765. I did not realize it was that old. Yeah. Damn, that's my wheelhouse. Yeah. And I thought you were going to say, that's when I was a little girl. <laughs> Which, I like to make jokes like that sometimes, too. Yeah, because I'm like, what, 14 months older than you? Not that you're that <laughs> old, but like sometimes, like, I'll... Like, I used to say to my mom all the time, something would be like, you know, this was something that happened in 1941. I'll be like, oh, that's when I was a girl. <laughs> Which, my mother wasn't born She then, sat behind so. Jesus in high school. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows for sure who wrote the original lyrics, because they didn't record that kind of thing back then. No, and there's a whole thing. Anyway. Yeah, it's a whole thing. If you want to know the secret history of Greensleeves. That's a fun story. It is. So. You guys know what to do. Yeah. It's going to be fun. We're going to have people, like, fully creating 
new Apple accounts just to be like leaving their requests. We want to hear about Marilyn. (laughs) That would be a fun side project. Yeah. But anyways, one possible interpretation of what the song is about, because also people can't agree on what it's about. They always got to make it dark. Yeah. But one of the possible interpretations is that the baby is Horus, the Egyptian god. The uh, fucking god. We were just talking about him, too. That's why I brought him up. Yeah. So, we're having a baby, My Baby and Me, was written in 1941 by Vernon Duke, Harold Adamson, and John Latouche. I think it's Latouche and not Latouche, because that sounds silly, and Latouche sounds even sillier. So I'm going with Latouche. See, I wasn't going to apologize to them about the butchering French, and then now we're butchering French. Yeah. Sorry about it, John. (laughs) John. It says John. (laughs) Maybe it is LaTouch. I don't like that. I don't either. (laughs) Sorry, bro. Anyways. It was written for the musical Banjo Eyes. Okay. Which is funny. That doesn't sound like a compliment. No. And it was originally performed by Eddie Cantor. I genuinely just kind of hope it's not a racial slur of some sort. I don't know who it would be a slur against, but... Is he also a blackface guy? It feels like it could be. I'm not too sure. I mean, at a certain point back then, wasn't everyone? Yeah, it... uh, Minstrel songs are just such a minefield. Because you like a song that's old, and you're like, that's catchy, like Sleigh Bells. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, what is this? Jingle Bells, that's the one. And you're like, well, I can't sing that one anymore. There's a lot of songs that are just, like, old standards that most of us have grown up with. That if you look into them, it's like, oh, the person who wrote this, you know, called himself, you know, Mr. Coon or some shit. But, anyways. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Did you have any favorite lines? Oh boy, did I. I actually, I was very good. I, I noted them this time. So when they were talking about Dauncey being a name that her grandmother, or a word that her grandmother had made up, and then Ethel was like, you're going to have a baby, and she's like, a baby? And then Ethel said, that's a word my grandmother made up for tiny little people. <laughs> that's a funny one. And then when Lucy came back and Ethel was like, oh my gosh, you're having a baby. And Lucy's like, why are you surprised? This whole thing is practically your idea. (laughs) And then Ricky was bitching about the club and he's like, you know, if we switched places, you'd be surprised. And she said, if I traded places with you, you'd be surprised. (laughs) And then when she was trying to get rid of the Mertzes and she slammed the door in Fred's face, Ricky was like, who was that? And she's like, oh, nobody. And he turned around and he said, nobody's necktie is caught in the door. (laughs) And then at the very end, when he finally realizes the song, and he's kneeling by the table, and he stands up and he says, it's me! (laughs) I'm gonna be a father. I want you to meet my mother. I mean, my wife. (laughs) It was very cute. So, I wrote down when Ethel's like, did the doctor say what it's gonna be? Which, how would they be able to tell what it's gonna be in 1952? But, anyways. And again, the the baby is the size of a sea monkey. Did the doctor say what it's gonna be? And Lucy's like, it's gonna be a baby! Yep. It's very cute. That's a valid thing to say. Oh, yeah. Like, what does it matter? Like, Yeah. It is definitely gonna be a baby. It's gonna be a whole-ass person, Ethel. Mm -hmm. Eye on the price. 
And then Ethel later was like, I can't wait to find out if I'm going to be a godmother or a godfather. I knew you were going to write down that one. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> she was excited and it made her confused. I mean, who hasn't been there? Who hasn't? And then I wrote this one down because it reminds me of something that I have often said to my cats. <laughs> mostly to my son Mochi, who is orange, and that should tell you everything you need to know. Um, <laughs> Ricky's like, Lucy, what do you sit on when I'm not home? <laughs> yeah. He but just loves you so much. He does, and I love him too. He is not trying to tell me he's pregnant, though. No. That would be interesting. He's trying to tell you that he shit somewhere and it's your job to find it. <laughs> you get to go on this, the treasure hunt, the scavenger hunt. It's going to be somewhere where you're going to step on it. <laughs> Anyways, that was about all I had this week. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? or? No, I thought that was, I thought it was, like I said, I think it was a pretty solid episode. It was, it flowed nicely. It was organic in a way that I Love Lucy episodes aren't very often. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was good. It was, it was funny. It was relatable and it had a satisfying ending. Yeah, it's just, it's no like notes. a very easy, natural situation to imagine anybody yeah. in. Because Lucy's not getting up to some crazy shenanigans. She's just trying to like share this big news with her husband, and it's and everything's it's very being cute. annoying. We've yeah. had many days like that. Yeah, that's super relatable. But just please join us next week when we'll be discussing pregnant women are unpredictable, Oof. which has the forbidden word in the title, but they don't say the forbidden word in the episode. CBS would never allow it. Mm-mm. But in this episode. There's just, like, a lot of hormones, and Oof. people are trying their best, and it's fine. Yikes. <laughs> I think I think it'll be okay. I think okay. He'll, he'll either like it or be like, eh, well, both. yeah, we'll see. Because that happens sometimes. That happens a lot. It's just how I am as a yeah. person. But join us for that, and we thank you for being here today. Bye! Bye! Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher to make sure you never miss an episode. And follow us on Instagram at My Favorite Redhead, on Tumblr and Facebook at My Favorite Redhead Podcast. Tweet us at My Fave Redhead or drop us a line at My Favorite Redhead Podcast at gmail.com. And if you love Lucy and you enjoy our show, give us a good rating and review. 